Hi, I'm Caroline Howard, a biblical counselor and certified life breakthrough coach. And I'm Chris Onuth, marriage and family therapist and executive director of Downey Park Counseling Associates. Welcome to our next question, where we attempt to answer the questions of life through conversations in psychology and Christianity. Remember, this is a place of discovery and definitely not the final answer. We're, we're just going to start because we're recording. We are starting. And we're starting. Caleb, our producer, has left the building. He's no, he's off. left the room. Yes. He's sick and he's a kind. And he he's not person. angry. He didn't knock over a display when he left. No, he didn't. Do people do that? Some people. I always tell my children, <laughs> this is probably bad parenting. I tell them, hey, don't go away mad. Just go away. Oh, there you go. <laughs> are you telling them to suppress their feelings? No, I'm just telling them just to get lost. Boy, that's so old school of you. <laughs> I would never tell. And then and then I'll talk about their feelings later. But Caleb okay. isn't feeling well. Oh. So he is right. doesn't want to be in the room with us. Be- Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's feeling perfectly He's perfectly fine. sane. He's under the weather. Yeah. He doesn't want us to get sick. He's being right. kind. So that is so us. great. That is so great. Yeah. And hey, welcome back to America. Thank you. you well, not. today's episode is going to be on um, Are You Your Diagnosis? And so I just had to get that okay. out there, and now we can talk about being back in America. Why did you have to get that out there? Well, because I don't want to leave the folks hanging. Well, we kind of have to do a cool segue. Well, it, okay, there's that, and I've thought about this. <laughs> okay. Um, there's that, and then there's the annoying thing when you get on a YouTube thing or you're, you're wanting information and you have to wait through all the shenanigans before you get to the meat of the deal. And I, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that uh, we don't do that to our listeners, all five of them. <laughs> First of all, our, our shenanigans are amazing. No. But don't you read the title of it and know what you're getting into? That's true. That is That's true. That's what I figure. That's okay. okay well, fair enough. If it, I'm willing to compromise because I'm such a great person. Lightning may strike. (laughs) We could start our next episode. We'll start it off with our next question is. Uh, Okay. And and then we'll get into our shenanigans. And then. Well, congratulations on everyone who's witnessing how this program is unfolding and being made right before our very eyes. We have nothing to hide. No, we don't. We don't. Okay. So anyways. Back to America. Back to America. Um, You were not here for a while. I, we were not, we were in Vietnam. Yeah. And I, I cannot tell you how amazing it was. Um, I cannot tell you enough how amazing it was. Yeah. The the Vietnamese people, uh, as a people in my experience, were kind and gracious and helpful. And um, everywhere you went, everywhere we went, everybody was excited to see us. Mm. And it was this weird thing. And I was talking about this Bible study this morning. I, <laughs> I don't know how to say this without sounding weird. But it was kind of a big deal. I, I kind of, I kind of heard that. <laughs> so, where did you hear it from? I might have received a picture while you were over there of you with like a mob around you and everyone I don't wanted know to what take it, your picture. The only thing I can think of is that they've mistaken me for someone else. Yeah, sweet genius. Oh please, that <laughs> hurts. That's, that hurts. How does that hurt? Because that's who. Julian, my oldest daughter, uh, she always thought I, you looked I like would rather sweet be like genius. Bruce Willis or like uh, I don't know <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, maybe. Uh, when you say Bruce Willis like that, you will never get called Bruce Willis. <laughs> That's a Dana Carvey. It's, it's, it's so weird. It's Bruce Willis, <laughs> but not really. It's uh, anyway. It was an old uh, Dana Carvey impression okay. on SNL for uh, about uh, okay. Vinnie Barbarino. No, John Travolta is John Travolta. Okay, so. So, so was, th- was that your high of the whole trip no, that you were a good big deal? gracious, no. Okay, good. The high of the whole trip were the baked goods. Really? I've oh, I loved baked goods. I brought the gift of 10 extra pounds back from oh. Vietnam. But you had lost a lot before you went, so. I did, yeah. So there I, you go. I, you found it. And of course, I've sa- I said I say to Mel, because she tries to warn me, she's like, Chris, you got to take it easy. And I'm like, no, calories don't count on vacation. And apparently they do. So I'm outraged. Um I don't want to call your wife out, but I've been on vacation with her. We don't count calories when we're on vacation. No, exactly. So there. Oh, good. See, good to Sorry, know. Sorry, Mel. Thanks. No, we uh, we had this bakery near us. Mm. 
Uh, and of course, Vietnam has a strong French influence because they were colonized by the French for years. So they had not. these. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, as a history guy, I'm kind of. I know. So yeah. you have to know that. So they have amazing coffee. They have, and I really junked out on these. I had we had something called an egg coffee. So standard Vietnamese coffee is strong coffee with condensed milk, okay. and they'll pour it over ice even or whatever you want it. Okay. But they also had this egg coffee, and apparently, as the story goes, we went to this place. It was founded in the fifties or something like that. And as the story goes, they ran out of cream. There was a problem getting cream or something. I don't know. And so the only thing they had were eggs, and so they whipped up these eggs and put them in the coffee, and a trend was started, a fad, and so they had these egg coffees, and they are also amazing. Wow. So your guy getting breakfast and coffee Good point. all in one. Um, and they may even have something called an egg beer. Uh, which, they may. Yes. Was that I was as in a good as the coffee? No, but it wasn't as horrible as you might think. Egg beer. Egg anyway. Beer. So same thing. They're whipping it up. They're and whipping it up it and it's a little sweet. And, and uh, it's raw. It's a raw egg. I, I, I didn't think that one through. Maybe. Oh. Yeah, I guess. Okay, sure. But again, otherwise I, you'd have chunks of And we of went to this, eggs. apparently this famous place and okay. we get there and it's this hole in the wall and you have to, you walk in through the door and you walk further and further and there's people like standing around and some of them look like they work there, but... It, it's so different. The culture is mm. so different than American culture. In American culture, there's this idea of personal space and all yeah. this. It's not so there. Okay. So you walk into this hole in the wall place and you think like you're walking into a kitchen. And at some point you'd be like, whoa, I'm in the wrong place. So, no. You just have to keep going and you go upstairs <laughs> and you twist around and there's a maze and there's something. And then you're in this coffee wow. house. Okay. And um, every single chair and stool is super mini. Uh, because they can fit more of them in there that way, and it's not—it's not really because you only need one butt cheek, not, to right? Well, <laughs> on a chair, it's not. I—I I said heated. It's not really. It wasn't really cooled. There wasn't air conditioning per se. Okay. And of course, as I mentioned before, I left. It was a hundred degrees, eighty-two the low, and of course, eight hundred percent humidity. So Dang. the heat just comes on you, and it—it part of. Part of me thinks it's exacerbated by the fact that you're in and out of air conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were just out and that was it and you were outside and whatever, then yeah, you'd have to put up with it. Anyway, so so that was great. And and when we went to the bakery, I we pretty much went to the bakery every morning. And they had <sighs> both sweet amazing. and savory and anywhere in between stuff. Oh, I and I, of course, I did not stop at one item per morning. Why would and, you? Oh, God, I mean, you might never so get to bad. eat there again. Oh, I know. I'll so never you... experience flavors ever. And so picture, <laughs> and I hate to say this because it's a little embarrassing, but they give you, you have a, a little tray that you get and you go to the uh, display cases and you have tongs and you grab the thing you want, unless you get there at 7 a.m. Okay. Then you have to take them off of the cooling <gasps> um, racks. Oh my goodness! And, and and I hate to say again, I hate to say this, but picture I'm I'm setting stuff on the tray and I run out of room on the tray, so I start <laughs> putting things in my mouth in order to transport them to where I can buy them. And then That's... they have um, not only do they have the egg coffees and the Vietnamese coffees, but they have this coconut coffee that they do. Oh man! And it's, a, it's an ice. It's a cold brew coffee with coconut in it, and I'm absolutely sure that's where my tin. Well, okay, the pastries too. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, the pastry but in I, your mouth. I, I, I did not uh, deny myself any opportunity. If I felt like an inkling of coffee, I just went for it. Yeah, and I lived life. That's and so that's what you do when you're in other places. Yeah, because yeah. you and have we to walked come a home ton. and be good. We walked a ton, probably ten thousand steps a day. Okay, and part of the walking was to the school that we were teaching. Okay, and part of Vietnamese traffic is that there are absolutely and utterly. I, I I'm tempted to say there's no rules, but that's not it. I've mentioned this before. There's yeah. just different rules, right? And so there's this ebb and flow that they all understand. And they move according to, it's like the, it's a concert of chaos. Wow. And so um, I'm, I'm going to have uh, Caleb post some videos uh, on, on the traffic. And what you're watching right now is some of the examples of the traffic and how it doesn't matter if there's a sidewalk or not. They will ride on the sidewalk. So do you just cling to like the side of the building? No, if you, walk you on don't. The sidewalk? You oh. walk ahead and you walk with determination because <laughs> the riders of the scooters 
will predict your behavior. If you stop oh. or shift or run, that's unpredictable. And okay. you have to meld yourself to okay. the, the what, what's happening. So at you the have time. to walk with confidence. Like, I know what oh, I'm doing. Absolutely. I know where I'm going. And, and absolutely. You're not and, run me and, over. Uh, and there's another, there's some more footage if you're not looking at it right now of, of uh, um, us crossing the street at one point. And my wife puts her hand up. And, you know, it's just like <laughs> a superpower. But you have to. <laughs> Gird your loins because <laughs> it can be very anxiety provoking. Wait, so if she put her hand up, did people stop so you could cross? Um, they will time you. So they'll kind of slow down. And they'll they'll slow down and then they'll. Now, here's the other thing about Vietnamese traffic wow. is that it goes slow. So even at their fastest, they're not they're going 30 miles an hour, maybe. OK. Now, here's the other thing I was thinking of. And mm -hmm. this is. When you have certain things in place, it allows other things to take place. So, for example, we have a, you know, we have pretty much strict traffic rules that we, for the most part, everybody obeys. Right, right. That creates a structure to go fast. Ah. We also are spread out. And granted, mm -hmm. this was Hanoi. This was not the countryside. Okay. Um, even that is another variable because, um, in Vietnamese countryside, the only smooth road potentially is the highway. Um, and, and they don't have off ramps like we have off ramps. They have off ramps every, um, maybe five to 10 miles without oh, wow. an off ramp. Oh, wow. We have off ramps all over the place because yeah. all of our roads are paved nicely. Yeah. Now, potentially if you're in the countryside of Vietnam, <laughs> maybe the road isn't totally paved the way you would hope and so you wouldn't be able to go fast there anyway okay. even our the, the bus guy that took us to uh halong bay which is a famous uh, unesco world heritage th site place it's beautiful you've probably seen pictures of it he was going an average of 35 miles an hour the entire way so it took like two and a half hours and it would have taken us here in the states maybe uh, an hour did it feel slow like at first and you just kind of got used to it um, you can tell it does. It is slow. Okay. It is slow. Now, now some people dart and here and that, but the yeah. name of the game there is you cannot dart out into anything. You just merge into it. And a matter of fact, the craziest thing is like a left-hand turn there in Vietnam isn't like a left-hand turn here. Here, a left-hand turn is you stay in your lane. Yeah. You turn wide. You turn past the, the right-hand lane into another left lane. Yeah. There, when you turn into a left, you to make a left-hand turn, you turn into the right lane, and you go. <laughs> you essentially, sometimes you go into the oncoming lane, and then you merge over. Wow! No, oh, it's 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 wow. wild. But it works. It does work, and and they use their horns. Now, here's another thing: they use their horns to signal where they are, and and for people to you know, hey, let's move out of the way We're, or, or you're ahead of us and, and we want to get past. So so they yeah. use their horn as a communication. Okay. Here in the States, we use our horn as a middle finger. That's an expression of how we're Exactly. <laughs> we, it's like we don't, you, and this is, it's, you know, it's very, um, shoot, it's like, it's like communication among couples, right? Mm. If stuff isn't communicated right away and honestly and sincerely, then it builds up, then it's angry and then yes. it explodes. Well, yes. in Vietnam, they're using the horn all the time, and everybody understands. It's like, oh, there's a person there. Okay, I'll move out of the way. It's not taken personally. Okay. Here, it's obviously taken personally because we wait until we're explosive, and then we we treat. I don't know. This is maybe maybe I'm just talking to myself here, but <laughs> when, sometimes when I use the horn, it is like I if I had a missile to shoot out of my truck attached to the horn, then maybe yeah. that would please please don't do that. To right. Your truck. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, but I'll okay. use my horn as a hey. Hey, friend. Anyway. See, mine's, when I use my horn, it's, it's like more of, of that. Like, hey, friend. Oh, hey, the light's turning green. Did you not oh, notice? yes. It's not. I'm not using. I no. hate you. Get out of my way. Which a lot of people. I, I there mean, was a point in my life where, yes, it was. But okay. I've done some. You've evolved. You know, I've evolved. I've done You've some self-reflection and work. and Sanctification. Thank you. Yes. And now it's more of a beep beep. Instead of a <laughs> so even the way that people move on the street can be like the traffic moves and they don't have the Western. I, at least this is my observation. I could be wrong, but they don't seem to have the Western concept of personal space okay. and it doesn't bother them. Like when we oh. were queuing up to go into this cave at a Bay, it, 
first of all, it was it felt even more stifling the humidity than oh in God. Hanoi because we were on the water. Yeah. So it's super sweaty, super Everybody sweaty, sweat. and then everybody's pressed up against each other. You're just mixing sweat. And so and so at one point I was alongside my wife, but I'm a little more aggressive than she is. And so I'm kind of pushing, I'm acting like, hey man, I'm fitting in with Vietnamese. Yeah. And so I move up ahead and I look back there and she's like a thousand yards behind me. And I'm like, oh, she, so I stopped off to the side and I waited. That was nice. Well, she tells me later that there is a Vietnamese gal behind her, like pushing her. <laughs> Pushing her to go, and Mel looks at her, and the gal smiles and nods, and it's like, hey, friend. Uh, it's like, it's not meant to be offensive yeah. or anything. It's like, hey, we're helping. Yeah. And, and okay. so the other weird phenomena is that, yeah, people wanted to take their pictures with me for some reason. And while we were in this line of zero personal space, and we're walking upstairs and everything, all of a sudden, someone squeezes my arm. Like, squeezes it, like, like not like when you were... Or at least like when I was like checking your muscles, or like I, I think so. Yes. Oh, which <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to laugh. No, but I'm like uh, that's there for show. That was not <laughs> what it used to be. So you know, uh, but yeah, it was You're like, like yes, uh, I'm packing. I got no. Guns, right? <laughs> well, no, those days are <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, so that was interesting, and then uh, yeah, so it was. So you don't. That, yeah. Like, kind of say really quick, if you all don't know who Sweet Genius is, just oh, Google it really quick no, and just please, no. please send me a message and let me know if you agree or disagree. Wow. <laughs> if we get more responses to that, I'm truly going to, I'm going back to Vietnam where they appreciate me. So We appreciate you. Here. Thank you so much. And then the team we were with was an amazing group of people um, and each had their own talent uh, and they were far more talented than I was. Mm-hmm. I was super out of my comfort zone because was, I was teaching elementary school age kids. Okay. And not only that, I was teaching ESL. So I've taught like high school and I've taught college. Right. And so there's almost this philosophical thing that I can use. I can even use my humor. Not with these kids. I mean, they were amazing mm-hmm. kids, man. And they loved on us. I mean, it's just... Aww. Each of them was unique, and we have a picture of them. We took a picture of them, and we took one picture of smiles, and then the next picture of silly. And even in the silliness, you can see each of their personalities, and it was just so incredible, so incredible. I saw a picture of you guys with the you with the kids, uh-huh. and they were all holding um, like signs that said stuff. Right, we had to made some make some signs of a picture because we we're gonna have them do a picture booth. Okay. And so the, the the idea is you have a signs that you can say whatever you so want. So did say. they each pick what they wanted to write on there? Well, they little... they wrote yeah yeah exactly. Which I thought like that was cool because they were so yeah. It was yeah. such an eclectic mix, but like it was fun. You got to see like totally what they were really latching onto. Yeah. of culture. Yeah, and these kids could read and write English like nobody's business, but we were partially there to help them speak English. Okay, because you they don't have a lot of speaking opportunity. Um, and they're always looking for Westerners to speak English with. Okay. So I did what any Westerner would do, and I had them sing Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> nothing did you get like a recording a, of that? I certainly did. Oh, yay. Nothing like a group of Vietnamese kids singing uh, guitars, Cadillacs, hillbilly music, lonely, lonely <laughs> streets that I call home. So. I love it. I love it. Okay. It was incredible. Well, maybe we should have just done a whole entire episode on your trip, but. But we do have our next question. Well, before we get to that, though, I'd like to add a new segment, little segment here and there called correction. No. Yes. (laughs) So I have to correct uh, certain things in other podcasts that I actually listen to when I get the chance to listen to them. I'm like, oh, that's not totally right. Okay. So it's like the uh, the, it's like the newspaper headline, you know, Dewey wins. When uh, uh, Dewey ran against Truman and the, uh, they, anyway, there's a history yeah. thing there. Uh, but, uh, and then of course the corrections that the paper makes is are way in the back of the newspaper yeah. after the massive headline. Yeah. So anyway, few corrections. Um, I, I got uh, the, the, the song line um, from Phantom of the Opera wrong. It's think of me fondly. You did. And I was going to correct you, but I was. I'm super okay with that. my elders that day. No, wow. <laughs> we just That's kept just going. a cop out. That's just a cop out. <laughs> we just kept going. And so I was like, well. Just think of me fondly. It's okay. I'm I just impressed like, that he would right. even there you go. sing that. 
Second thing that was bothering me is I used the word Kettering versus Wissenschaft, and that is not the correct word. It is Kentness versus Wissenschaft. So okay. listen to the episode. Which episode uh, was haven't. it? Do you remember? Um, was it the masculinity part it was. two? It was, so it was two it episodes It might have been, ago. yes. Yes. Okay. And and that masculinity part two was a very special episode because I mispronounced someone's name or I pronounced a different name entirely. Okay. The name I was supposed to use was Philip Zimbardo of the 1971 Stanford Prison Experiment, which we ended up not talking about, and maybe we'll get to it someday. Okay. But it's Zimbardo, not Zimmerman. Okay. So a couple things there. If you're uh, playing along at home, uh, you're either cringing when you hear me use something <laughs> incorrect. And he's an, he was a history teacher. I know, right? Uh, yeah. So that's one. The second thing is um, sometimes these convert the, uh, not sometimes, we, we do outlines, yeah. you and I. Yeah. But also a lot of stuff comes from our memory and experience right. and everything else. And so obviously uh, my memory is flawed. Well, I don't know about you, but I am a fallible human. Yes. So cool. we're not always going to get it right. There you go. I will just, if it makes you feel better, we have not received any hate mail about it. I I haven't heard any complaints. I could have played that off like I was seeing if our audience uh, you would uh, leave comments. Okay. Yes. You could have, but you didn't. And you are all still invited to leave comments. You are. Thank you. And you're all also invited to look up Sweet Genius and let us know. No! Stop saying that. Can we change the subject? She doesn't even call you that anymore. So my daughter used to, every time she'd uh, see him, would be like, talked about this. Hi, Sweet Genius. <laughs> and it was so sweet because for her, it was endearing because right. she loves that show. Oh. And she loves you. And so, but you would get all mad. And then <clears throat> I do remember my son is calling me in the middle of the show, even though I was Tell like, him. hey, I'm recording a podcast. Maybe he wants to be part of the podcast. He, he did. He wanted to come so bad today. Oh wow! And I said not this time, but maybe next time. Oh boy! I know. He better so. come. He better come prepared. He wants to be on it. We we could. Let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah. Our next question. Uh, okay. Is, Are you your diagnosis? I am not. Uh, why is this question important? Be where you well, are, Caroline. I am. I'm just answering his text because, like, he's home alone. Okay. <laughs> He just wants to go to Rock and Jump. We're all good. Okay. But he's getting a ride. Um, this is real life, people. I'm a mom. Got to do things. Totally. So why this goes follows along with our episode last our last episode on identity. Yes. On identity, right? How so? Because so? if we find our identity, if our identity is in Christ, yes. and that is, you know, we don't identify. Yes, we identify as a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife. Right, Giants fan. Giants fan, thank you. It's morning today. New York Giants. <sighs> I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. In case sorry. you aren't watching the video, I just gave him a really dirty look. Um, well, the San Francisco Giants founded in 1963. See, I don't know all the history. Yes, no. I do know that, but it's not. No, they. It's, I was doing See? something incorrect again. They actually started off as the Brooklyn I, or the. Uh, we're getting off topic. We are sorry. <laughs> So something giant somewhere in New York. No, I lost my train of thought. Yes. People Brooklyn are tuning Dollar out. Don't tune out. We're, getting, we're coming back. We're good. New York Giants. Okay. They were the New York Giants. Um. So are you your diagnosis? Well, right. if your identity is found in Christ, yes. then you will not identify by your diagnosis. So why would it be tempting to identify as a diagnosis? Well, in my opinion, sure. would be people use it as a crutch. Hmm. Right. Or as oh. an excuse. Okay. Do tell. So if I say, um, I, I am anxiety, right? Yeah. Like, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. Yeah. And, and so that's all I like. Then we use an excuse. Well, I can't go cause I have anxiety. I can't Good do this point. cause I have anxiety. Sure. Or you should <laughs> feel sad for me because you know, I have severe anxiety oh. disorder. So it's a way so. it becomes a way of interacting with life. Yeah. That's rough. It's that it's it's identifying you because it is circling every decision you make. So this is an interesting story because my son um, gave us a ride to the airport and then picked us up when we land after Aww, a forty-eight a hour son. journey around the world, um, <laughs> literally. Yeah, they redirected our flight instead of because there was a typhoon, so we couldn't typhoon go back the way food. we came. We couldn't go across the we couldn't go across the Pacific Ocean, so they sent us to Istanbul, Turkey, from. From Vietnam. You just got to see more. And, and then from Airports. Istanbul to SFO, which which technically we went around the world. Right. That was awesome. So 
check that bookmark, check that check mark off or whatever. So my son says to us, Hey, my car uh, was in an accident. He was on the freeway and a gal was merging over and hit the side of his car. And essentially he has tire marks on his door of his car. He said this gal had an 80s something, something or another. Well, immediately he pulls over. She pulls over. She is hysterical when she then. Oh, and, and by the way, he notices in the rearview mirror while she's pulling over, she hits someone else. And this is on the freeway and it's like oh, bumper cars. Oh my gosh. Well, so they pull off to the side of the road. The other person, I guess, didn't stop at all. It was like a Tuesday for them. Uh, so <laughs> Bay Area traffic. People, yes, they will think that. So the gal gets out of the car and she, my son said she had a purple hair and she had a purple drink <laughs> and she was like hysterical and she's like i have anxiety and this that, and the other thing so right there yeah it's an excuse well and to be fair it's i don't think people are rubbing their hands saying this will get me out of it they truly are knit to this thing that they've been diagnosed with oh i agree i agree and they don't know how to get out and they've but they've used it as an excuse so much because it's it's become like a bad habit. Like I used yeah. it as an excuse once. I saw it get me out of something or I saw I got treated differently because I said I had that or whatever. And our brain remembers that. Yeah. And so then we just keep using it as a. Yeah. Well, then uh, what's the way out of that? What's the way out of that? Well, you're not your diagnosis. Okay. There, I answered the question. We're done. <laughs> wow. Well, well okay. okay so the, I, I think the way out of that is to push through. So you yeah. mentioned you have anxiety about swimming. I do. So part of the way, and this is a proven psychological technique. Why, is are, we, why are we, are we having a session? Exposure like, therapy. Okay. No, I'm just kind oh, of See, but I've never read studies that exposure therapy is not good. So it depends. <laughs> okay. So it always depends, right? Okay, so the part of the problem with even um, our... I'm feeling anxiety right now just because you caught that. <laughs> I'm like thinking of swimming and I feel it. That's crazy. Well, and that's a good point. It's to your point right. is like uh, part of our, our anxiety or depression or whatever else is is re-upped when we think about it. Right. And that even gets into um, perpetuating different traumas we've been through. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Ten percent of the population actually experiences post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. And that is people who have been through some crazy stuff. Yeah. But, but part of it is... Uh, well, part of it is suppression of mm. the anxiousness. Mm-hmm. So if we're trying to get away from it continually, then it it continues to rear his ugly head. So one of the ways through that is to actually address it, in which case that's a type of exposure therapy. That kind that I can agree with. Now, exposure therapy is not like, hey, I have uh, I have anxiety about swimming, so someone's just going to throw you in the pool. Right. That's just another trauma. Well, right? Yeah. So, and, you know, so let me say this, because this is how I've worked through it. Like, I did feel that little twin, but I, because I've, I've done EMDR uh-huh. therapy around it, uh, and, you know, and I've worked through it, um, because part of my biggest thing was, so I have that because when I was like two or three, almost drowned, Yeah. apparently it stuck with me. Um, and my biggest fear was my kids swimming, not Uh, like I knew, and I just don't like water. I just, and I think it's, you know, tied to that. And so I was afraid of my kids drowning Uh, like I did. And because, but but it wasn't just drowning. You're afraid with the kids. You don't want your kids taking the bicycle across the street. Oh my gosh. Do you know where my kid was on his bike today? I'm so over that. (laughs) That Exposure therapy. It was like, it was. If that or just sticking my head in the sand and acting like it doesn't exist. <laughs> no, but that's interesting because then what you're doing is you are um, you are looking past the actual fear to the outcome or to the uh, solution. Right. Well, because like even, you know, he's he gets left home alone a little bit, not yeah. for like a big chunks of time. But my rule was like, you can't go out on your bike if I'm not home. Okay. And you're like, none of your friends can come in the house. We're not having house parties at this age with 12 year old boys. And yeah, then I, you know, then you start to think about it and I'm like, well, why does it matter if I'm home or not? If he rides his bike. True. Good point. You know, like. 
As long as he's not going to wildfire and having cocktails, then I suppose. Yeah, if he's going without me, I'm going to be really mad. What are you and doing? And so, you know, then, so now the rule is like, you know, like right today, I'm not, he's home alone for a couple hours okay. while I'm here. And yeah. I just, the rule is, hey, if you go out, just text me. Right. So I know you're not at home. Fair enough. And like, and I don't feel that anxiety anymore because again, uh-huh. he's, and he's proven that he's responsible yeah. and he's. Totally. Well, so this goes back to um, the the potential drawback of continuing to refer to our diagnosis when these issues come up. Right. So I could automatically hold on to like, I'm an anxious person. Yes. And that's why. Or again, I can work through it like I did with the swimming thing. Right. I worked through it. Like, why was I anxious about it? It yeah. wasn't about my kids drowning. It right. was about I couldn't save them uh. because I'm not a strong swimmer. Oh. And so when I figured, you know, the w- way around that is to become a strong swimmer. Yeah, but I don't like the water. Grr. I don't like so, the water, so, and I have ear issues, so I can't go underwater. Okay, so so, like- so that ties into this is an interesting discussion. You know, every time we get together, I, I, it, it takes turns that I don't anticipate, but they're great. <laughs> I know. This is why I hired you. <laughs> so I'm just no, you hired <laughs> me because your wife told you to. This okay, is why you're true. my friend and we hang right, out. Right, right, we have great right. conversations. No, so um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to make this about Caroline's former anxiety about her kid going out. But <laughs> um, just to continue the example, like you could totally say, well, I am anxious, therefore he can't do anything. Right. Or and he now shouldn't I'm do letting, stuff to make me anxious. I'm letting my quote unquote diagnosis. Yes. Now affect what other people can and can't do. Right. Not cool. So, yeah. So that is a, that's part of the practical end of we are not our diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Here's sort of the more, um, I guess, uh, background to even how we've come to get diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And we in the mental health um, community use the uh, diagnostic statistical manual the dsm and we are on the fifth version right now we use that um it has lists of symptoms essentially yeah and the idea is it say for example with depression well it has a a list of say 10 symptoms Mm -hmm. i off the top of my head I, i mean i suppose i could have it right in front of me and i can count how many system symptoms it lists i guess i should say nobody really actually has all of that stuff memorized it's why no. we have the big that's why we have the book it and we, dog-eared and yeah, yeah post-it noted <laughs> that's what google's for and absolutely so we check this on google um uh, i mean some of them are pretty standard we see them a lot generalized yeah. anxiety yeah. gad uh depression even um low-level depression which is called dysthymia okay um and so there's a list of symptoms say let's say there's 12 and if they have like, like seven of them, it'll say they have a clinical basis to to be diagnosed with depression. Mm-hmm. Now, um, like where does that even come from? Who decided those symptoms and everything else? Yeah. So, yes, we have this DSM and it has helped in the sense that there are actual lists of um, benefits and drawbacks. So. Part of the advantage of having a, a, a manual that says this is the, the in a sense, a Bible of yeah. diagnoses for yeah. mental health, uh, part of the advantages are that it standardizes like what everything is. It's like here are the qualifiers, mm-hmm. right? Um, it standardizes for bill, billing and even coding for, believe it or not, insurance. And that is one of the things that drove yeah. the creation of the DSM. Is, insurance. is so insurance can say, okay, is it something? Because if it's something, we'll cover it. And if it's nothing, right. we're not going to cover right. it. Right. Now, the other dirty dog in the fight uh-huh. is, and this is even a bigger driver than insurance, is medication. Hmm. Because part of, and there's been books written about this, part of the past problems with the DSM have been that it was created and and symptoms were qualified and found in order to develop medications to treat those symptoms. Now sit on that one for a second. It, yeah. <laughs> I know. So, so, um... Uh, it, it, part of, part of the DSM, you know, with these symptoms and everything that can guide research as far as what, how to treat these symptoms. So there are positives and, and it guides treatment. Yeah. Right. So there, there are, yes, there are positives and, 
and we need some sort of standard. Otherwise, it's and we need to name these things. Like, like if there wasn't a name for, well, you know, he feels this weird feeling in his, you know, chest uh, when he, you know, goes outside. And so, what do we call that? Well, yeah. we needed to call that anxiety. Yeah. 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 And then there's specific anxiety. You know, then there's general anxiety. It just that's, every time I feel it is out there. So we call that a general anxiety yeah. disorder or GAD. Um, or they're sad, social anxiety. Disorder. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's when I talk to people. So the problem with with coming up with the diagnoses in order to come with, up with the medication to treat the diagnoses is then there's not diagnoses for something medication can't potentially treat. Or that insurance can't, like, bill. Right. So one of the big issues in mental health is that insurance does not reimburse for couples counseling. Which I think is so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So because ridiculous. Part of our part of our symptoms and these collection of symptoms that we have can be brought about through our relationships. Right. Well, I'm just thinking like if if you as a couple are doing good, then <laughs> you're not affecting your kids as much and your kids aren't gonna need therapy and diagnoses and medication. Totally. So totally. Let's, let's start at the root. Let's get the parents good. Oh, absolutely. And if insurance companies understood that even like mental health, that treatment and, and, and the care of mental health can also uh, benefit other health areas. Yeah. Like, oh, heart disease lowers, um, you know, chronic stress on the body, that decreases, all that right. stuff. Right. It's almost as though the um, insurance companies want us to have these problems so that it keeps the industry alive. Well, yeah, and pharmaceutical. Just no, say that out loud. You did, and well, <laughs> and I'll just add pharmaceutical companies too, right? I mean, they're all yes, they're all they all have these nice lined pockets, and so so. Let me ask you this question, like not so. I had it in my head. Do you think diagnoses hinder people? I think it does both. I think it helps okay. and it hinders people. Okay, because. Uh, there's so many people out there who, and I'm sure you've had clients where you're like, oh, this and this and this is happening to you. That's anxiety. Yeah. And they're like, what? Or, oh, you're not getting out of bed and you're not engaging in these you know, activities of life and you're not showering regularly. That sounds like depression to me. Yeah. And they're like, what? Yeah. Whoa. So that can be a, a pinpoint at which a person says, aha, here's my, here's something that I'm struggling with. Right. That is a signal or a light to say, okay, now let's talk about solutions yeah. to take care yeah. of that. Right. And that goes back to lifestyle choices. It could be diet. It could be, it could be medical issues because oftentimes right. people with thyroid stuff have anxiety and depression. Right. And for women, I'm always like, have you had your hormones checked recently? Good. You know, guys, hormone issue stuff as well, but yeah, totally. Uh, and so, uh, so on one hand, just like we've talked about earlier, um, where uh, any unhealthy behavior is just an extremely healthy behavior. Yeah. There can be a healthy to, to having diagnosis and saying, aha. Yeah. The unhealth happens when we don't want to take the risks mm -hmm. and the discomfort at making a change and become, in a sense, comfortable with our discomfort. Well, and this is where I would say, like, we hide behind the diagnosis. Yes. And we use it as totally. an excuse. Well, I can't because. Yeah. And then what happens there, for example, anxiety, it's like, well, I'm anxious about um, jumping in the pool, so I will never do that. Right. So then that that part of our world shrinks. Right. Well, now I'm anxious about even going near the water, or sticking my feet in. So I'm going to stop doing that. Yeah. And now I'm anxious about even, you know, going out front or outside. So that shrinks. Yeah. And our world has totally yeah. then become small. Right. And that never, ever, ever, ever takes care of the anxiety. Right. Especially how. hundred percent right. Cause I mean, yeah. that's like where I had come to where it's yeah. like, I don't want to go to the beach and the ocean. My kids are getting the water and I couldn't uh, watch. And, but now I can and so there you go, right? So, so actually dealing with the anxiety is is actually pushing against it and challenging it. Yeah, right. And getting to the root cause of it as well. Yes, that's part of that's part of challenging. Right. It's like now now there's even um, an extreme of getting to the root cause because what happens with people is once they get to the root cause, then instead of making a change and making other mm. choices, they'll they'll go back to yeah, but. It's because of this and because of that, and they'll really indulge in finding the why, but they won't um, take the scary step of crossing the threshold of now what. 
Right. Have I have I said my my phrase about excuses on here yet? I'm afraid. Excuses are tools of incompetence Ooh. that build buildings of nothingness. Oh, wow. That's not mine. I did not come up with that myself, but I use Say that again. often. Excuses yes. are tools of incompetence yes. which build buildings of nothingness. Wow. I mean, you could you could go off in a number of directions. Excuses are tools of fear, mm-hmm. right? That build buildings of fear, yeah. you know, or, or helplessness, build yeah. buildings of helplessness. Yeah. Well, and it's through that helplessness that then we are stuck and really then our diagnosis is the only thing we're left with. Right. And, and I think what people do, and, and I could be wrong about this, but in my ob- observe observations is they, they use that diagnosis to try and elicit support and help from others, um, not realizing that they are giving up their own autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about some of the advantages of having a diagnosis and the DSM. Okay. Here's some of the disadvantages. Okay. And, uh, Yes, there are more. Mm -hmm. So first of all, the DSM actually lacks scientific basis. Mm -hmm. There's actually no, and that's why they call psychology a soft science, Mm. because it is very philosophical. It is. Right. So it's not like a codified, oh, you have a rise in your body temperature um, every time this happens. There's not like things to measure. Yes, exactly. There's no beaker. Yeah. Which again, there's some questions there about whether or not um, just because you can't measure it doesn't mean it's not a thing. Right. 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 So um, it, it, the DSM, it actually has cultural bias. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. for years, what people don't realize um, is we've had, the, and, and this was a trend probably in 05, 2010. Um, you can research me on that one and prove me wrong, please. <laughs> uh but for a while, there was a big push to understand the weird of psychology, how psychology was weird. Yeah. <laughs> and what they mean by weird, it is Western. Most of the people who they had measured for psychological issues were Westernized, educated, industrialized, rich, and democratic. Weird. That is weird. So you've got this cultural bias yep. of saying... Um, Oh, this certain segment of the population, like westernized, educated, industrialized, rich, democratic, um, experience these symptoms. Therefore, that must be across human yeah. culture. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Which. It, it, it's funny, it, it, having come from Vietnam and teaching um, these elementary kids, they are the same as American kids. Mm. They are the same. Smelly little boys, sweet little <laughs> girls. Um, the boys were like wrestling in the class and everything else, which is, okay, I have three boys, the youngest, which is 22. Yeah. And they still do that to this day. Right. Every time they get together. It's it's crazy. But um, there's nothing, they, they, people are the same, right? But there's also cultural variances. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Asian cultures, they're very um, collectivist as far as the community is concerned. Yeah. They're not as individualized as right. the West. Right. So if you're part of your diagnosis or understanding of certain mental illnesses is from a Western perspective, then you're missing entire swaths of other human behavior. Exactly. So anyway, um, another issue is that it pathologizes or makes a disease a shared human experience. Hmm. So, which then leads to oversimplifying human behavior mm-hmm. and evil, and even labeling everything. Yeah. So, and then and everybody then, wants a label. Yes. And then what we do in our Western culture is, well, I don't want to feel bad. So, let's say you've lost your job, your parent has died, you um, are experiencing big changes in your life, and you feel anxious and sad. Mm-hmm. Well, then we, well, I don't. That's bad. I don't want to feel that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like that's actually pretty normal. Right. You're supposed to feel that right Yeah. Now. Depression is a normal response to a depressing situation. Yeah. So so if we get to the mindset of saying, no, that's bad, that's bad, I can't feel that, or I can't experience that, that's that's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And so when we put them in sort of some sort of qualifier, then that can even change our mentality with, oh, this good, that bad. You know, in a way, it, you know, when my mom died, I, I wanted to be sad. Mm-hmm. I wanted to yeah. mourn her. 
Right. And I needed to. And you needed to. So yeah, it, it, it's that. not a bad thing. Um, yeah. So uh, another number four is the National Institute of Mental Health does not use the DSM for researching mental health at all. I mean, right? <laughs> it's a huge mental health organization. And it yeah, and they don't even doesn't use go it. there. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure no. you're shocking people right now because everyone's heard of the DSM and they just oh, think yeah. it's like Bible. Oh yeah, Bible, Bible, Bible. Yeah, but then it's like. Well, and this can even go back to see certain personality assessments like the Enneagram or mm. um, the Briggs Myers or anything yeah. that says, oh, I'm this. Right. Right. And it's like, mm, it's be a careful tool. of that. Be it's careful. A tool. It is a tool. Exactly. It's, it's a, a tool. tool. So, number five, it promotes a pharmaceutical approach to treatment hands down. Yep. And so, there's this we, ha- we do, we have a pharmaceutical culture. Mm-hmm. And um, give me a label so I can get a pill. So I can get a pill. Yep. Right. And, and that's an interesting thing. Um, we've talked about, I guess, different how in our co- country they they will do things to foods that that really mm-hmm. change their nutritional value and change their effect they have in the body. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain ailments or even, dare I say, disease that comes about from not eating healthy. Yeah. And then we want a pill to treat those. That's yeah. weird. Right. Um, in other parts of the world, uh, there's no stipulation against some of the breads that are, I mean, there's no gluten issues, nothing, because they they don't do the things we do here. It's all in, natural. Yeah. And in, in, so, so yeah. anyway, and finally, uh, number six, uh, essentially anyone can be diagnosed with a lifelong disorder, right? Yeah. So oh, I, yes. I can totally be diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder, right? But Yeah. But what if that's just who I am and that's normal for me? And how do we accept that? And, and even boys, like in, in school, it's like, well, you're not sitting and being still for five hours a day. There must be something wrong with you, <laughs> which is mind-blowing. How about it's a boy or yeah. they're a boy and they need to get out and run and do crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, so this even increases the risk of misdiagnosis in the pressure to apply something and yeah. say, this is what you have. Yeah. And and I believe I have people come in and they're they're like want a diagnosis right away and it's very important to them. Yeah, I've experienced that too. Where they'll yeah. where and they'll they'll Google it. <laughs> oh no! And it's like then they know what symptoms to come in and say. Now, first of all, I cannot diagnose because I am not <laughs> like a doctor yeah. or certified or anything like that. Um, but they'll like and every week they're coming because I'll be like, no, well, let's look at this. Do you really think? And, oh, well, no, I guess not. And then the next week, they'll come in with something new. Oh, wow. And it's just like, why, why do you need a label so bad? So so part of um, I, over-identifying ourselves with a diagnosis uh, uh, also creates a um, focus point. What is the word I want to use? I want a fixation point. Yeah. So I uh, yeah. tie this in with motorcycle riding. Uh, just do. like I turn every conversation to no, but <laughs> one of the big things in motorcycle riding is you, motorcycle riding is that you do not want to have a um, fixation point. Yeah, because if you do, you will go there. Right. Um, right. I listened to a TED talk recently about uh, a guy who was talking about how motorcycle riding helped with his mental health diagnosis oh. of anxiety, and one of the analogies he gave was that you know when you're riding down the road, for example. Well, he was talking about the what ifs okay. that are so popular among the anxious. Okay. What if, what if, what if. And that's a fixation yep. on something. Yeah. And he said, if you are on a motorcycle and you see a muffler in the road, um, the best thing to do is notice the muffler and then look past it. Mm. Because if you look at the muffler and you stare at it to not hit, run into it, you're going to hit it. Isn't that crazy? Even if you, um, in, in the twisties, what we call the twisties up yeah. in the mountains, yeah. if you look at the rail or you look at the center line, you will go there. And so you have to look at the road ahead right. and anywhere you look, your your body will naturally Good. turn that motorcycle there. So if you're staring at your anxiety, if you're just focused on your anxiety, yes. your brain is automatically going to be anxious. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. And then people wonder why they get stuck right. in those anxious patterns and then then in a way by identifying with it, it becomes a bigger monster. So literally it's, we have to look past our diagnosis. Yes. And what, and the example of that would be uh, two active steps to take care of it. In other words, okay, I'm anxious that I have all this work to do. Yeah. Um, What's the solution? Well, let's get some of the work done. Yeah. 
let's face it, get to it. And then, oh, wow, I got a percentage done. Now I feel better about that. Let's not skimp on that. Let's not drop that ball, but go after it again. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And the other thing about the DSM and this final note, I didn't write this down, but it popped into my head is that it keeps changing. (laughs) Right. It keeps changing, which understandably as we learn more about things, but it also changes politically. So mm-hmm. if there's a an unpopular diagnosis um, that is not currently politically acceptable, mm-hmm. it's not an issue of um, it. No longer is an issue of is it an actual is it causing mental distress? Yeah, it becomes is it going to offend someone or is it unpopular to diagnose someone yeah. with this? And so therefore we we need to take it off the table. Right. We went through that with my oldest daughter with special needs. Mm. You know, when we when she was first diagnosed, it was mental retardation. Well, then they didn't like that word. So then it was, no, no, now we got to change it. Now we got to call it an intellectual disability. Right. And they've changed it again. But I'm like, I'm not going to keep remembering this stuff, people. No. <laughs> like you're it's a shifting sand. Yeah. It's got issues. Okay. Like we all do. But yeah. And, yeah. and which is interesting because if, if a phrase or something offends. Right. Right. That goes back to, yeah. well, I have this diagnosis of anxiety. Therefore, other people or situations have to conform mm-hmm. to make me feel better. And that is a losing pros- yeah. prospect. Exactly. OK, we ran out. We were out of time. We're out of time. Yeah, We went crazy. Do you have any last thoughts? That's I mean, it just so happens that that's that's all you had. That's all I had. Well, I was just so we are not like, our diagnosis. We are not. So your diagnosis does not define you. No, it doesn't. Nor does it put barriers around what you can and can't do. That is absolutely true. And so we need to just remember that. Like, we are not our diagnosis. Right. And if we go back to identity. Yes. It's not that. It's not what we have that defines us. It's whose we are that absolutely. defines us. Absolutely. Absolutely. All Praise right. Praise God. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today as we continue our journey talking about life's many questions. To stay connected with us, you can follow us at Downey Park Counseling on both Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow Caroline on Instagram at Relatable Caroline. And make sure you tune in next week for our next question.